Carter comes up shooting. Got it! 1.2 seconds to go! Vince Carter, you are amazing! Give it to me! A little baby black! Damn it, out of here! Welcome to 95 to Infinity Podcast. I'm Brandon Kajoka. Joining me in the line is my brother from another mother, Gregory Yeroshadis. Greg, how is your baby girl, Lena, man? How's fatherhood treating you? She's trouble, Brandon. She's trouble. Let's leave it at that. Um, I don't have a child, but I do have a very loud and annoying Yorkie Poo who's actually outside the door right now making whimpering sounds because he desperately wants to play with me. So we'll try to do this podcast quickly so I can give some love to my pup. Um, I, I, I wanted to do this just with you because you are, like, in, in my estimation, the biggest Kyle Lowry fan. You know what I mean? I think you sort of like think you epitomize that sort of like blue collar, gritty sort of personality traits. I think you and Kyle are uh, are very symbiotic in personalities. And I feel like he's like your guy. Like he has been like your favorite player for quite some time. You know, he's been the face of Toronto Raptors for more or less a decade. And we're kind of at a point, you know, especially with the growth and evolution of this team where we should have to have a come to Jesus moment and actually ask the question is Kyle Lowry on the move, or rather, should we trade Kyle Lowry at this point? Um, there are a bunch of potential suitors. We'll talk about them in a second here. But I, on the surface, what are your thoughts about potentially trading Kyle Lowry at this conjecture, at this point of the season, at this point of his career? Okay, well, first let me say, yes, I've been a Kyle Lowry supporter from the very beginning. I love the way he plays. He's the craftiest player I've ever seen. Uh, and his story is just such an amazing story. Uh, I think he's the oldest player to go to five all-star games after never having gone to one. Like his, his, his Raptors career will be celebrated. He's the greatest uh, yeah. Raptor of all time, at least in my He's opinion. the growth. He is the growth, right? He, he definitely is the growth. Um, now, okay. So to answer your question, this obviously just to provide context comes on the heels of what has been reported by the Philadelphia inquirer, right? One of the reporters, claims to have sources inside the Raptors organization that uh, have said that Kyle Lowry is open to being moved to Philadelphia. He has not requested a trade, but, and this is all worded very carefully. Right. And, and also that the Raptors uh, seemingly out of the goodness of their heart want to provide him with his best chance to win a championship. No, it, it seems to me like, like, you know, if Lowry's going to go, they just want to be able to get something for him. Right. Uh, which is fair. Uh, look, I think a lot of this all just really depends on where Kyle's at, to be honest. Uh, if, if he, uh, gives the nod to Masai, I think they will trade him because ultimately, you know, you want to get some value back. And if they think that he's leaving, Better to get value back for him, right? And, well, and not go there the for franchise. about retaining value. You know, for me, especially based on the rumors, you know, if we're talking about, hypothetically speaking, okay, if we're talking about Matisse Thibel and a lot of protective first for Kyle Lowry, for me as a Raptors fan, I would rather bottom out as a franchise and still have Kyle Lowry as a Raptor. Listen, Kyle Lowry probably wants to win another championship. He probably wants to be in a successful situation. Or he might want to keep and stick with Toronto, the team that made him an all-star, that brought brought him a championship. And for me as a Raptors fan, uh, for the greatest Raptor of all time, I can't justify trading him, regardless of age or contract, 
for 50 cents on a dollar considering what he's done for the city and the legacy he's imprinted the city with. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that, but that's why I'm saying it, it comes down to what he wants. And look, like I told at the very start of the season, when the Raptors struggled, his body language was really bad. Um, and, you know, players often, uh, they, they express themselves by the way they move on the court and their emotionality. And you can sometimes see when the writing is on the wall in that regard. And then we started to win again. Okay. Now, and this is what makes it a bit of a conundrum, right? Uh, ultimately I think if, if, if the team was a contender, Lowry wouldn't want to go anywhere, but he is getting older. And most players, as they get older, they have like their ideal spots that they would like to retire. Right. If he wants to retire as a Raptor, no, I wouldn't, I, 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 I wouldn't trade him. But if he's already made up his mind that he wants to go back to Philadelphia, which is totally understandable. And I would be happy for him in that spot if he's already made up his mind. Okay. And you know, this year uh, he's resigned already to that decision. And he's made that known to the front office. Like if they had a meeting with him and, and they're like, Hey, you know, level with us, you want to come back here? Cause if you do, right. Like we'll, we'll resign you. Okay. Uh, that's one thing. But if he's, not giving that guarantee, you know what? Maybe it, it, it is time to just rejuvenate with some younger pieces. It's 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 tough to really pinpoint what the right decision is in the situation, you know. And I'm speaking on Kyle Lowry's behalf. I think he deserves that, you know. I think if we're talking about Kyle Lowry in this situation, I think it'd be selfish to put the team first before him, considering what he's done for this organization and the sacrifice he's made to be the greatest Raptor of all time. I just, you know, for me, it's 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 something that you, you got to question. What else does Kyle Lowry want to accomplish in his career? You know, because yeah. is it individual accolades or is it team success? Because he's already had that. He's already won the Look, yeah. multiple times. He's already won the championship. He's already been part of one of the most successful organizations for the better part of a decade. You know, the question I have to ask myself is what would Kyle Lowry want beyond what he's already accomplished? And could he get that with another team? I, I, and, okay. And, and, so, and does that offset, like, w- w- would his legacy be compromised if he left the Raptors to chase a ring? You know what I mean? Or pull a Dame Lillard and just stick with the team? I, I, it's, 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 I'm, I don't have an answer here. I'm just kind of. No, but again, right? Like he's already done the Dame Lillard thing. Like he did resign here uh, and he gave us the best years of his prime. But the fact is he only has like, you know, a lot of guys, especially guards, like they can fall off a cliff. Like he, he only has a few more years of, um, of impact on the court. Right. And the question is like, where, where does he want to spend that time? Uh, and if he does want it, and if he's look another championship, probably gets him into to the Hall of Fame, okay? And also, to win a championship for his hometown of Philadelphia, that's huge, right? So I think that is something that does re- remain on his list. This is a guy that donated money to Villanova, right? He's, right, like, right, right. he's a big-time homer. Yeah, you know, does seem like a pretty smart matchup. But, you know, look at similar cases of people that age in that position and, w- and going to a different team. Like, look at, uh, look at Russell Westbrook or, you know, when Mike Conley left the Grizzlies last year and went to Utah, he was a dumpster fire this type of season. You know what I mean? You're not talking yeah. about immediate success right off the bat. You know what I mean? So... No, but I, I think Larry would... It's, it's, it's tough to really think that that guy is going to come in and be that missing piece and, you know, when the league's kind of shifting away from guard dominance. 
Well, no, because he like he wouldn't have to. He would be a supportive piece to what is already a very good team in Philly. It just gives them uh, a little more veteran leadership, a little more know-how, a little more confidence. Uh, and, and again, maximizing the prime of a player. If you're Philadelphia, like if you can get Lowry to say that you'll resign, getting him this year helps you for this playoff push to get past the net. Because I think any team that's looking for Lowry right now is looking for a piece that's going to help them compete with the Brooklyn Nets. Right. And because right. of that, the Raptors might actually be able to start a little bit of a bidding war. Well, that, let's, let's get to that right there. I, I just mentioned, Mate, like hypothetically speaking, Matize Thibel and uh, a lot of protected first. Isn't it Is Matthias? Their package for Kyle Lowry. Am I overestimating his value or underestimating his value? Well, this is where we need graphing here because he, he's going to crunch the numbers for us. But a trade package centered around one of the veteran shooters from Philadelphia. And, you know, to me, it's got to be Thibault. If you look at, I mean, they, they have another young, good point guard. I believe his name is the last name is Maxi. He'd be another. Maxi and Shake Milton as well. Yes. Sorry, Milton. Yeah. So they could put together an interesting package like Milton might actually be a, a really useful player for us because we do need that more scoring Bible fits in from a uh, culture standpoint, you know, defense first long deep, another switchable defensive wing. You can never have too, too many of those. I like his fit as well. Uh, but then again, you know, the Clippers do have some interesting pieces too. They have uh, Zubac, they have Morris uh, to me, Beverly and Lou Williams don't really move the needle much. Maybe uh, Luke Kennard because he's, he's got the he's contract to fit. I think he's making about fifteen million dollars a year, so that could be a starting point for some type of deal. <clears throat> yeah, exactly right. So, and the Raptors need to evaluate: Are we going to trade Lowry for something that's going to help us win now this season, or is it something you know we, we want draft uh, equity and young pieces that can develop? You well, know, that's, that's the most think- difficult question right there. You just said it. What do we do at this point? You know what I mean? Do do we yeah. contend or do we? I would say blow it up, but. Like I, I, I think the Raptors come to Jesus moment, right? Look, I, as good as they've been lately, okay. I think the Raptors management after we won that championship and we couldn't resign Leonard, I think they kind of uh, <laughs> understood that they're starting to do their own little uh, a tear down and rebuild, not in the traditional sense where you say, "Oh, a rebuild where you bought them out and get draft picks," but just a retool around Siakam, Fred VanVleet and OG Ananobi. And what you need then is pieces that fit that timeline where in a couple of years, those guys are going to be ready to peak again. Mm-hmm. Right. Because as it stands, right. Like Lowry doesn't fit those, like the timeline of those players. And you need to get guys that better fit that timeline right, right now. Uh, there's nothing the Raptors could do at the trade uh, deadline that would allow them to come to, in my opinion, that would give them the firepower to beat Brooklyn. Like, I mean, it, 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 this, it may be that this year, Masai sees, you know what? The East is too strong. We're going to do the opposite of what we did before, where we just got really competitive when the East was not competitive. Mm-hmm. We're going to, right? We're, we're going to stay competitive, but we're not going to make that championship run this year. We're going to wait maybe a year or two and retool. And the thing that is kind of maybe a little underscored in this conversation is the value of Masai Ujiri in this situation when it comes to evaluating long-term talent. 
you know, guys yes. that could become members of this organization. You know what I mean? Uh, we, we talk about, you know, the, the late second round gems on the undrafted players. But, you know, in a trade scenario, when you're looking to recoup as much assets as possible, you trade Kyle Lowry. I have faith in Messiah at least finding or identifying somebody that, like you said, fits the timeline that can contribute and develop with the core three. Yeah, and that's why some of the pieces in, in Philly, you know, maybe you throw in a Seth Curry then to match the the money, right? Um, but some of those pieces in Philly are quite appealing. I, I would be hesitant any package to include um, Green just because he's, he's older, right? Curry is more appealing to me. Um, we, we talked Philly. We talked LA Clippers. You also mentioned Miami as a possible destination for Kyle Lowry. What are your thoughts about Miami and Kyle Lowry? What would you want from that team for our all-star point guard? <laughs> the Miami situation, I could, again, I mean, Lowry had a great game the other day playing against um, uh, Miami, and uh, Pat Riley was sitting courtside. Okay, and I mean, probably he, he evaluates talent, and he loves players like like Lowry. So maybe that uh, triggered something, right? Um, you know, they would have to include one of those shooters. Well, I'd be a guard, right? You got to think they're going to go. Let's say no, no trade, no one going back. Let's say Kyle Lowry on Miami. You're talking about point guards of Kyle Lowry, Goran Dragic, and then you got Kendrick Nunn. And Tyler Hero as well. And, you know, Duncan Robinson plays shooting guard. He got five guys who probably yeah. need to earn about 25 minutes per game. So one of those guys have to go. Exactly, yeah. So it uh, he would be a nice fit as well. And, uh, like, his his call – and that's the thing with Lowry. Like, you, you can put Lowry anywhere, and he's going to make the team better. Okay, I'll tell you that right well, now. Kyle Lowry just in the playoffs. And they're friends. And they're friends. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that, you, you, talk about, you talk about a team making a move to um, – move past Brooklyn or compete uh, just to be able to Kyle Lowry on Miami with their sort of complimentary pieces and the pit bull of Jimmy Butler and the versatility of Bam Adebayo. If they get Kyle Lowry, correct me if I'm wrong, that is more of an appealing big three when it comes to versatility and actually winning a series and well, making the players around you better. In terms of, yeah, in terms of all around defense offense. I'm not talking about we're like a three on three game. I'm talking about structural fit and what these guys bring the table beyond scoring. Yeah. The other way of looking at it is uh, one of those big threes has, you know, two of the top 10 players in the world. The other one maybe yeah, has but, one. But the other one of, one of the big threes has you know, a bench featuring guys like Kendrick Nunn, you know, Tyler Hero, Kelly yeah. Olenek. And the yeah, other one right. has a bench featuring, sorry, who? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, it's a bet. It, certain Brooklyn, this is the thing with Brooklyn, right? When it comes down to playoff basketball, do they have the defensive grit and grind it out um, and, you know, team chemistry to be able to win at the highest levels when it's not just like a, like a, uh, how the NBA is now, like a running yeah. gun show, right? With no defense be, being played. I, oh, yeah, I, I agree. Lowry to any of those teams, to the, to the Clippers. I think, but I think Miami. Out of all those teams, and I'm including the Clippers, and I'm also including Philadelphia, I think if you talk about Kyle Lowry going to said organization and they become not only an immediate contender, but the the most legit contender of that group if they potentially got Kyle Lowry, I see Miami. You see I my think that yeah. the addition of him on that team, adding a third score 
is is incredible. Spolstra gets the best out of those guys. The Clippers yeah. look like they have no urgency. Philadelphia is an absolute beast, but again, I just don't think Kyle Lowry with and wouldn't get the ball stacks up as better than with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. He'd get the ball more in in Miami. I think he'd be he'd be able to be more of a ball handler. Whereas in Philly, he'd be more of a floor spacer. I'm sure he'd also be able to run the offense. To me, it's the Clippers because the Clippers are just badly in need of someone that can run their sets. Uh, and I think he, he like his chemistry with Ibaka uh, and Leonard already. I think he makes them the team to beat in the West. Should he go to? Um, LA and right, top- flip, the, flip, flip the script here for a sec, Greg. Before it's one second, flip the script here for one second. You're Kyle Lowry, you are putting on Kyle Lowry's shoes, and you're looking at three destinations, three <laughs> possibilities. What do you do if you're talking to Sherry, you're leaving Toronto, and you have complete control and autonomy over where you are going? What team do you pick, Greg? You know, to me, Lowry is someone who plays with his heart, right? He and that's something I always admired about him and because because of that i could see him trying to set up like i said something in philadelphia that being said i and i said this from the beginning of the year i think the clippers are i think both those la teams are just looking to poach another raptor and maybe there's a good offer and the raptors then say hey uh the clippers presented us this would you go to la and he's not going to say no Right, not a bad place to live for for a, for a few years, but I think he is most likely with Miami. But I think he is most likely to want to go to Philadelphia. I think it does the most for his personal legacy in terms of 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 him being loved in the city that he's from. And right, because if he goes and brings them to to the finals, right, that's huge for his legacy. Right? Would you trade Kyle Lowry? Pascal Siakam and two lottery protected first for Ben Simmons. Oh. No. <laughs> no, I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Right, ben, right. I don't we'll, know what we'll Ben's th- question. And we'll Although, be back yeah. very shortly uh, and talk to Graf about the NBA draft. Greg, any last points about Kyle Lowry and the Toronto Raptors? Well, just that all we have right now is sources say, and it's blown up into this big story and it might just be all for nothing. So we're still waiting for confirmation really like, right. But on the other hand, in the NBA, we all know where there's smoke, there's fire. So stay tuned here. Stay tuned. Talk for that Woj bomb. All right. We'll be back in a sec. Alrighty, guys, we are in the second half of the podcast. Still with Gregory, you're shot. So we are joined with Christian Wolfgang Graffin. Um, Graf, we talked about babies to start the podcast with Greg. How is baby Carter doing? I heard he uh, may have taken his first steps, potentially. He did. He did. Um, big news, eh, Greg? Uh, nine and a half months. Yeah, he took his first uh, couple steps the other day, and that means he is now officially walking before he has any teeth. So. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, Greg, that Graffin's baby can dunk on your baby. For sure. Well, we're 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 discussing we're discussing terms of an omen. <laughs> I hate to say it, but Carter's been. Uh, uh, I'm kind of like pimping him out right now. There's quite a few people in line right now for, uh, for Carter. Many suitors. There's many suitors, no doubt. Those blue eyes, no Asian. That's what it is. <laughs>
there's a ton to get to. I think we wanted to uh, discuss the NBA All-Star Game, you know, NBA, uh, snubs, uh, surprises, etc. But before we get to that, there's a pretty massive chunk of news that came out last night, and that was Pascal Siakam, Toronto Raptors. Pascal Siakam uh, contracted COVID or has COVID-like symptoms. So the game today has been canceled, which draws a bigger question I want to ask you guys. What is the practicality of playing the season? Should we be canceling more games? And again, why are we playing the All-Star Game? You Greg, do you want to go that one? one? Yeah, sure. No, okay. we, we talk, we, look, we spoke about the All-Star game last time, and we, I kind of played devil's advocate as to why I think it should be played, even though I really don't. But yeah. uh, I think we've talked enough about that. But just to go to the Raptors. The Raptors, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to steal your thunder here. But no, I don't think – I think they should be canceling games more often. Um, they should be postponing them. Um I don't think that it's something that is hard to reschedule, uh, especially since the Raptors are essentially playing in Florida right now. Uh, I know that it hits different teams, you know, unequally, but specifically for the Raptors, um, if they have eight members or six members of their coaching staff out, their number one player is also out. I just don't see a reason why this game or even the Washington games in the past should have been played. It's just too easy to postpone them and just worst comes to worst, cancel them. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you look at the way the NHL handled the situation and they redesigned the entire conference and divisions to accommodate less traveling. You know what I mean? You know, I, I don't necessarily think a, a bubble is the best way to sort of address the situation, but it doesn't seem like the NBA has taken the necessary precautions in comparison to other leagues to ensure that COVID doesn't spread. Yeah, I from the very start of the year uh I, I was very worried just because how many american cities including atlanta where the all-star game is are kind of going on uh, business as usual and also how much travels involved and you know you're letting the fans into the arena like i was watching the brooklyn game last night you know you had you have fans almost courtside there right very close to one another you know you see people high-fiving each other uh it's an indoor space I'm not surprised that, I mean, every team at some point of the season was going to be hit by this. I think the big issue moving forward is what happens when it's playoff time and this happens. How do you deal with it then? How do you postpone those games? Right. No, you're, you're not wrong. Because honestly, like the bubble was a was kind of a blessing now. Now that you yeah. look back at it, there was no cases there. Like they had their own little setup. But you looked at every other sport, NFL, MLB specifically, where there was travel involved and COVID was there. And I hate to say it, but this pretty much all but guarantees at least someone on the coaching staff, if not Pascal Siakam, has COVID. Right. So, you know what I mean? We have two more games before the All-Star break the odds of us playing those games are pretty low. I guess the question now goes to why did we even play last night? It's, it's, it's weird to me. Like I just kind of go back to the NHL thing, but like you think about like, if you isolate them within conferences, you've got like, think about Florida, for example, you've got the Miami heat, the Orlando magic, the Toronto Raptors, and you got Texas right beside them, San Antonio Spurs. You've got the Dallas Mavericks and the Houston Rockets. Those are six teams that you could isolate within two States of redefining the divisions. I just don't understand that. Why there's a necessity to travel at this point. It's crazy. It, it might happen though. Right? Like if this continues throughout the regular season, but the regular season is almost like a testing ground for the playoffs almost in my opinion they put the bubble together in two months right and that was crazy the the, the right. coordination I, they had to do for that 
I don't want to keep going back to the NHL thing, but it's insane to me that the NHL emulate, like, created this model, you know, and obviously COVID has hit that league dramatically, but not to the degree the NBA has, I think. And and, and I think a large reason why is it's, it's the divisions, the, the cutting of traveling, you know what I mean? Like, like Greg mentioned it earlier as well. There's different locales and different portions of the states that address the situation completely differently from a political standpoint, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So isolating those communities within each other and not making New York play fucking Florida, for example, to me seems like the more ideal way to address the situation. Yeah, Brandon, I, I, I actually agree with that. And uh, looking back, uh, especially now with what's happened in retrospect, it seems like the NBA should have followed suit with what the NHL did just to limit um, the the amount of potential spread amongst the, the players themselves on on different teams, right? Exactly. You know, the goal at the end of the day is to play games. It's not a matter of having the same sort of uh, replication of what happened in years prior. You know, the the, the classic division and stuff. The goal yeah. this season is to get foot on the court and at all like all costs possible. You know what I mean? You can erode tradition from this one season simply just to get the game going. You know, like it's it's crazy to me that you have to maintain these archaic traditions, like the All Star Game, for example. In, in this type of climate I, I, I don't know I'm just venting at this point but yeah I think it's kind of crazy that uh, the NBA really hasn't made the proper necessary precautions to ensure the uh, ensure player and fan safety especially with fans in the audience but don't forget though Brandon every single time an NBA game is postponed or is cancelled or not played the NBA loses money right? oh, it's right. down to money it, it really does and it's specific I mean the all-star game like we said like you know, we, we spoke about it last week. That That is a money, as much as Adam Silver can say, it's for the fans. You know, it's for the, it's for the sponsors, right? Like we, we do know, we, we know that, right? Uh, that That's obvious. They don't even have to say that. But <laughs> when an NBA game gets canceled or postponed, they do lose money too. So I think it's in their best interest to try to have the best mm-hmm. season. Um, you, you're right. I mean, obviously a division sort of thing is, is a, in my opinion, a little bit easier when you have six teams in Canada in the NHL. So you can easily make that the Raptors are kind of floating. Even if you put them in a Florida type division, um, then you kind of go against history. I guess, I guess that's, that's the anti argument. Right. Um, But I don't know exactly if the travel of all that, like we've seen certain teams get hit with it pretty badly. And there's no real reason. We don't know the cause. We don't know where they got it from. Um, we know that the rules have been stricter throughout the league for NBA players, so they can't go out. But I don't know. I don't follow the NHL enough, but I know that they've been hit this season as well with COVID. It's not. It's not not there. Mm-hmm. No, that's a great point as well. You know, obviously, it's going to hit everyone. There's no way to really hide from it. It's, it's just the it's a precaution, you know, the necessary precautions to ensure it, it won't spread. But again, you know, it's it's going to happen regardless. Do you You're think? Right. Uh, you know? Do you think uh, professional athletes should have got the vaccine first? No. Absolutely not. Greg? Uh, If you're going to be trotting them out as entertainment for people during the pandemic who otherwise don't have something, and like if that's how we're going to say, that's the reason why it's important to have basketball back because it brings people joy, and it's not about the money. Uh, I I think you could make the argument that maybe athletes should uh, should be given 
priority access to the vaccine. Absolutely. I'm I'm completely against that. Sorry. I'm not saying I agree with entertainment. Sport is entertainment. Celine Dion, for example, who does probably a daily show in fucking Las Vegas is the same sort of concept of a sport represents. It's sport. It's entertainment. Okay. So Celine, would you be fine with Celine Dion getting the vaccination and continue her thing as opposed to like a 93 year old grand? No, you're 100 percent. You're 100 percent right. I'm 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 just kind of uh, a cool graph and like trying to to play the devil's advocate and think about where the logic for that would come right. from. Uh, you know, look, if one of the coaches, uh, I'm worried about one of the coaches getting it and really having health complications because of their age. And then what's going to happen when someone, when someone gets really sick or passes away yeah. as a result of this, right? There's, there's no playbook on, on how to deal with this, right? Any last uh, any last comments, guys, on this COVID thing before we switch over to I'm the NBA? I'm hopeful that all the, the the Raptors players and staff that um, you know that they get back to health and that um, that there aren't any lingering. Like if Pascal Siakam legitimately has contracted the virus, like people, it takes them a while to get over that, and so we, you know, that could have right. a serious effect on on his, on his ability uh, to play for the rest of the season. Right. Not to mention the obvious health complications that come from it, especially for some of the coaches that are older. Uh, but I did enjoy seeing Sergio Cariolo get the coach. That was pretty cool. So, you know, we talk a lot about opportunities for black coaches in the NBA, and I'm totally agree with that. I mean, what about the fact that all the coaches in the NBA, for the most part, all the head coaches are American and American men? So, you know, getting opportunities like like this for Sergio doesn't come around very often. So I was happy to see him get a chance to coach. Mike D'Antoni would disagree. I'm joking. <laughs> All you guys. Um, so about a couple weeks from now, March 7th, is the NBA All-Star Game, the 2021 All-Star Game. Obviously, we've talked quite a bit about the practicality of playing the game itself. But let's go beyond that and actually look into the players selected this time around. So the coaches this time around are going to be Doc Rivers and you, uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers and Quinn Snyder of the Utah Jazz. And just give you a breakdown of who was selected for the All-Star Game this year. If we're going to talk the starters in the East, we got Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Giannis, Durant, and Bede. In the West, we got Steph, Dot Luca, LeBron James, Kawhi, and Nikolai Iochik. And the reserves, we got Jalen Brown in the East, Harden, Levine, Simmons, Randall, Tatum, Sabonis, Vucevic. And in the West, we got Lillard, Mitchell, Paul, Booker, Davis, George, Williamson, and Gobert. Well, that was a mouthful. Um, guys, what are your biggest takeaways from this? Who is the biggest surprise on that roster? And what are some of your biggest snubs in the All-Star game? Well, I think for me, I'm going to go snub first. Um, and I just think that this guy is, is pretty important. It's, it's a bonus on the Pacers. Um, he, he got I in put a replacement. He did get in his replacement. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, he wasn't – look, I – I think that this guy is a little bit more valuable to their team. We've seen Brogdon. He's been injured this year and he hasn't lived up to the, you know, expectation. So bonus has been so consistent. He's one of those guys that can easily get 30 and 20 in a night. Um, they don't sometimes give him the ball enough, but I think when this roster with Karis Levert is fully there, like Sabonis is the one that drives this team, uh, yeah. even with great players around him, like Brogdon and Miles Turner, um, who are having fantastic seasons. It's still Sabonis. Like he's the MVP of this roster. So to me, the fact that, you know, a team that's top, you know, a playoff team right now in the East 
their number one player isn't on the roster, that's to me a pretty big glaring snub. Yeah, and and just to build off that graph, I think it's even more egregious because, you know, the Celtics, who have been consistently below them this season, have two all-stars. Yep. Right? So uh, that puzzled me too. Uh, And even to see uh, uh, Vucevic get the spot over Sabonis, although they they play the same position and one of them is winning and the other one is on a losing team. So I thought that was very strange as well. Uh, Brandon, if I could say to me, the biggest snub that I was disappointed with, with all due respect to Fred Van Vliet from a Raptors perspective was DeMar DeRozan. DeRozan is playing is, is the, is by far the best and most important player on a Spurs team that uh, is in the top uh, echelon of Western Conference teams. He's having the best season, arguably, of his career efficiency-wise, and he's defending better. He's he's assisting the ball better. And considering the, the clout that, that Popovich and the Spurs organization has, I was surprised that he wasn't voted in, and a team like the Suns gets two people voted in. You think, do you think DeMar DeRozan, from going from Toronto to the Raptors, has become even more underappreciated or... Um, fallen under the radar of an NBA All Star. Yeah, because because in the, the the way it happened when he went to San Antonio, uh, and you know uh, the injuries that they the issues with the team that they had, where Aldridge was injured, and then the next year they they traded Bertans because they thought they were getting Morris. Dante Murray wasn't playing, so he. You're right. He was even more uh, under. He was even less appreciated. Uh, but this year you really see his value leading that group. He's playing amazing. And again, because he's maybe in a small market uh, and the American media doesn't see him as a superstar. I thought that was a pretty big uh, snub in my opinion. And it's why the, the, the roster could be 15 people. Right. Right. Like, like uh, th- this isn't 19, you know, 75 anymore where there are 10 teams in each conference, you know, <laughs> Like, an NBA roster has 15 people. Why doesn't the All-Star roster have 15 people? Ludicrous. Ludicrous. Right. I got one here. It's a snub. And, you know, I was looking at his numbers, 17 and 6, and myself, like, are those All-Star numbers? And I kind of dug a little bit deeper, and apparently only 18 guards in the past 40 years have earned All-Star nod in a season where they didn't surpass those marks. So those are All-Star numbers. And that guy averaging 17 and 6 is part of the best team in the NBA, and that is Mike Conley, someone who's been – constantly, constantly disrespected from the All-Star game, from the people who make the selections for the All-Star game. The guy has been an All-Star his entire career, but never got the recognition to do it. A rough year last year, adjustment season to play for the Jazz. So this year, he's coming back, guns ablaze, 17-6, and best team in the NBA. They think they only have six losses this season. And he's a guy, if you look at the defensive metrics, the plus and minus, whenever he's on the court, the team just seems to be doing better. Regardless of Jordan Clarkson, Don Mitchell, etc., this guy gets the ship going for his team he may not be the sexiest position but i think he deserves to make it this season just based on his impact on his organization over who though but over who kyrie irving yeah but not in, in, <laughs> in the west in the i uh brandon so i i agree that the jazz are so good that you could probably argue that i'd put him over devin booker like that's me i'd put him over yeah, Devin Booker. Uh, okay yeah but you could argue that because they're so good, they deserve three spots, but I don't know if his individual impact and his numbers are good enough to justify that because then yeah, that's a hard no for me. The coaches would have had to then put in 
three jazz players, right? Because none of them were voted as starters, you see? And I think that would be too much of an ask. Although I do think that, yeah, Mike Conley has the dubious designation as being the best NBA player never to get into the All-Star game. Maybe Rod Strickland, right? But um, it's unfortunate, but he's in the West and it's and it's packed. I think a trip to the NBA Finals will be more meaningful for him if he could pull that off this year. What do you guys think about Julius Randle's spot being there? I mean, Brandon, I already know your opinion. You love Julius Randle. But, I mean, winning obviously matters. Like, Zion's one of the only people on in the All-Star game, and it's because he's Zion on a team with a losing record. But other than that, it's really just kind of glaringly him. Um, Julius Randle yeah, is a Bam good player on a bad Come team. On. What are we doing here? He's a good player on a bad team, though, right? Like, and this guy is voted in over someone like Sabonis. I, I don't think he even deserves a spot. To you know, be honest with you. I 100 percent agree with you. You know, 100 percent. Bam Adebayo is another guy I just mentioned that came to mind. But you know, you, you can go in any direction. Jimmy Butler, Chris Middleton, etc. Like, fuck. Yes, you. yes, yes. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Why is Julie? Why is Julius Randle there? I like Zach Levine though. By the way, because he plays in New York. And New York desperately needs a person in the all-star game, I think. And the NBA office is right down the street from Madison Square Garden. But they that's have three all-stars in Brooklyn. That's three not, in Brooklyn. That's Fuck not, off. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm just saying the, uh, being on the Knicks and because they were kind of relevant uh, and he had a really strong start to the year. Um, so it's, it's not to say that uh, he's not deserving of consideration, but I, like you, believe that unless the person is someone like Zion, which is like, you got to have Zion in the all-star game. His numbers are insane and he's a show. Right. Uh, unless someone like that, deserves it too. I don't think a losing team should have a player in what, when you're talking about someone like Sabone is not getting in. So I agree. With you. Well, look, Brad, well, Bradley Beal's starting. One second. I'm just reading this right now. He's this is an interesting stat right here. Demonis Sabonis is the first player in. And I know he got he was an injury replacement, but he originally wasn't announced. So Demonis Sabonis exactly. is the first for the NBA history to average 20, 10, and five and not make an All Star team. It's, it's it's the most ludicrous shit I've ever heard when Julius Randle <laughs> makes it and he doesn't, and he's on a good team and is the best player on a good team. It it makes no sense. And there's a few injuries this year as well, like Christian Wood, who I think. Or like CJ McCollum or even John Morant. He was having a crazy season. Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, they all probably would have been like right there. You know what I mean? Like, so I, I hate to say it, but like Mike Connolly just kind of falls a little bit further down the list when players like that. And and then there's like Westbrook who doesn't make it, right? And we can argue Westbrook all day long. But, it, you know, if you're talking about um, a popularity contest, this guy's pretty popular no matter where he is. Yeah. So he didn't make it. Like, so that's pretty crazy. Randall's stats are... You know, a little bit. What did we say for Sabonis? It's uh, 25, 25, 10, and 5. Okay, so Randall's at 23, 11, and 5. So, statistically speaking, uh, Sabonis is better than him and he's on a winning team. I think it comes down to the fact that he plays in New York. This is what I believe. I mean, the Knicks are 17 and 17 right now. They're technically fifth. I just don't think they're going to sustain that. But I, I guess that's what it comes down to, right? I guess. All right, guys. Uh, any last topics? Any things you want to throw into the All-Star game? Oh, I'm, I just hope that, that, um, that something doesn't happen where there's a spread and the whole league has to get shut down. Like, I don't know how they're going to keep these guys from – like, I mean, it's up to them, but I mean, the parties in Atlanta, the parties in Atlanta are going to be on. 
All right. Uh, last thing I want to touch base on really quickly before we leave is, um, Greg, what the fuck is happening to your fantasy basketball team? I'm beating Graffin this week. Um, I learned again. I learned how to. I learned how to use the injury uh, reserve spot. That's what happened. Oh my God, we're at the almost at the All Star break, and Greg just learned how to use the All Star spot. Weren't you playing NBA fantasy like for years before this? Yeah, but we never had the injury reserve spot. Also, this league that you guys put in, you have less uh, spots available, right? So you have to be uh, uh, checking. You have to actually set your lineups in a different way. You have to be more purposeful and pay pay more attention. They don't just like all of them get counted. There's only five or, or six or seven spots per night. So I had to adapt. These wild excuses. Eh? Well, hey, like yeah, I said, I mean, uh, I'm winning this week and uh, look out. I got a lot of talent on my team. And maybe it'll be in second last by next week. I also dropped the Browns for a day. Keep that in mind. So pretty foolish. He was due for a good year. Also. Not a lot to do. <laughs> And in other news, and the last thing I'll mention to bring up randomly, I'm I'm assuming, I, I know I think I spoke about this last time. You guys have heard of NBA Top Shots, correct? I have. Greg? Yes. Okay, so this you is now... moments, Greg? I have a couple moments. I got a pack. I got a base pack, yeah. But um, it was $9, so it's pretty sweet. I got a Boucher block. So on Bagley, I think you'd be happy about that one, Greg. I'll sell it to you for $100 American if you want. Um <laughs> But um, it's starting to take off, I think, in my opinion. It's, it's pretty crazy right now. But it looks like I saw on the uh, Hockey Night in Canada last night how other leagues were looking at doing this because the Players Association is the one that puts this on and players are actually getting royalties from yeah, NBA, NBA Top Shot. nothing from this essentially, right? Right. The players are making money. And actually, one of the owners of the company or part owners of the company is Andre Iguodala. So he was an early investor in Dabble. Also, which is a- did you see that Terry Rogier tweet? Yes, that he would sign an autograph ball or whatever it was. So he said that he would offer two courtside seats autograph jersey if someone uh, auctioned on his hundred thousand or paid a hundred thousand dollars for his moment. Which he obviously he gets, um, you know, he, he makes money off that sale itself. But the NBA again is getting nothing from it. So that's kind of the quagmire they're having right now. Is you know, if it is in the NBA, if it's NBA base footed, if it's on the court, should they not have a share of the pile? Well, it's NBA Players Association, right? Like they're the ones who negotiated the deal. So I, I don't really know. Like it's partly sanctioned by the NBA through that right now. I do know that. So I don't know how that works on the back end. But there's, I think right now there's, I think eighteen billion dollars in 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 this cryptocurrency of moments that are out there, and it's blown up in the last two months. Gotta so love that blockchain graph. Pardon. So you gotta love that blockchain, bro. Blockchain, bro. Yeah. No, uh, look, if if you're looking for a Gordon Hayward, a Joel Embiid, or a Chris Boucher, you you go up Graph. That's my username. You look look it up. All of them, 100 bucks US. <laughs> Starting off. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Remember to auction uh, on Greg's uh, Top Shop, or not Greg, Graph's Top Shop. <laughs> uh, he wants $5 million for his Chris Boucher block. Each, each. US dollars. Any last words, guys? Be safe, everyone. We're almost through this. I, guess I don't have any last words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you much for listening. We'll be back next week. We can catch on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, Apple Music, blah, 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 blah. Uh, go Raps, go. Fuck COVID. And why are we playing the All-Star game? Peace out. Peace out, P-Dot.
Yes, Miku, the man, the unsung hero. 